Hello, and welcome to Let's Meet the Virologists, a podcast about the people behind today's virology headlines. People working to understand viruses and how they affect you. With the annual American Society for Virology meeting coming up in July, we are once again talking with students, postdocs, and other researchers so that you can learn who they are and what they do. I am Larissa Thackeray, and I am hosting this podcast from America's heartland in St. Louis, Missouri. On May 26, 2022, we talked with Robert Lopez Astacio, a graduate student at Cornell University College of Veterinary Medicine in Ithaca, New York. He did his undergraduate degree at University of Puerto Rico in biology with a concentration in biomedical sciences and a postback in immunology and microbiology at the University of Rochester School of Medicine and Dentistry. He uses canine parvovirus as a model system to understand the dynamics between antibody escape and receptor binding and how they play an important role in virus evolution and the emergence of new virus variants. Thanks for talking with us today. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I'm Robert Lopez Astacio. I'm originally from Puerto Rico. And I got interested in research uh, mainly because I was interested in trying to understand the things that were going on around me. So the, 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 the research experiences I have had uh, during my life has been driven basically to uh, situations, personal situations that have happened close to me. So I first got involved uh, doing research in neuroscience field. And the main reason is because I wanted to understand what was going on in my grandma's brain. She was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. So that's what really got me interested in understanding how the brain functions and things that we can do in order to, first of all, understand the disease and uh, try to come up with therapeutics that might potentially uh, help to delay the Alzheimer's progression. And um, soon after that, I transitioned to virology. Uh, so people that were close to me, they were being diagnosed with HIV infections. And I wanted to see how viruses work, how HIV progresses, and a lot of the key components of viral, uh, viral infections. So that's how I transitioned to virology and that's why I've been doing for the past seven years in my life and my career. So I'm currently a PhD student working with Dr. Colin Parrish here at Baker uh, James Baker Institute at Cornell University in the Department of Immunology and Microbiology in the College of Veterinary Medicine. And I'm in the Immunology and Infectious Disease uh, Program. Cool. And how did you um, get to that particular graduate program, that particular lab? Can you kind of take us through that process? Yeah, so I started doing research since I was in high school. So I was always involved in research and I knew that I wanted to do research uh, because I wanted to understand the things that were uh, happening and going around me. So I went to college in Puerto Rico uh, where I did my, I got my bachelor's degree in biology and biomedical sciences. 
soon after I graduated, I did a post-bachelor uh, program at the University of Rochester, where I had the opportunity to take graduate, uh, graduate courses and also to do more research. And part of the program uh, was uh, to apply to different PhD programs around the US. So I applied to different uh, graduate programs uh, and I decided to go to Cornell, first of all, because I was interested in the innovative research that people were doing uh, there. And also uh, because uh, when I came here for the interviews, people were really welcoming. So that's why I decided to go and do my PhD here at Cornell University. Um, and why Baker Institute? So I did two rotations while I was in my first year here at the Baker Institute. And what I really like is the environment and the highly collaborative environment here at the Baker Institute. Uh, we also have uh, a lot of faculty members that do very important and relevant uh, virology work. Uh, including Dr. Colin Parrish. And the second reason is that here at the Baker Institute, because we are affiliated to the um, veterinary college, we have uh, available uh, different animal models where you can actually use for the research that we do here at the Baker Institute. Cool. And how did you end up in Colin's lab? Like, how, why, why that lab in particular? What, what attracted you about it? So this is very funny because it wasn't until I met him to do my first rotation uh, here at Cornell University that I realized that he actually went to my undergraduate institution to give a conference about emerging viruses. So at that time, he was talking about chikungunya and dengue, which are uh, viruses that infect a lot of the population in Puerto Rico because of the environment and we have the ideal conditions and the proper conditions for those viruses to spread around. So I didn't know that he was there at the time. So when I first met him here at the Baker Institute, I realized that, yeah, um, he went to my undergraduate college. And I feel that the second reason was because of the work he was doing. So most of the work that we do here in Dr. Colin Parrish lab has to do with understanding emerging viruses, just as these uh, SARS-CoV-2 virus that emerge in the population is spread around and went um, to pandemic. So uh, a lot of the work that we do here is to basically understand that process of emergence, how viruses adapt, how they evolve over time, and what are the selective pressures that make viruses to change and spread around. So, and that was something that was really aligned with my interests. Hmm. So can you tell us then a little bit about that work then? So what has your thesis been about? Um, I guess, not just sort of like the bigger picture, but sort of what are some of the techniques that you use? What are sort of, sort of like the, some of the experiments that you actually do? So I'm currently working with canine parvovirus as a model. Canine parvovirus is a, a, a relatively simple and a small virus that has a single-stranded DNA genome. And we use it as a model to understand emergence. Uh, we're also trying to understand how these viruses 
has the ability to uh, cross barriers in nature and establish infection into new hosts. And we're also to understand uh, important molecular players that force the viruses to evolve and change over, over time. Some of the techniques that we perform in, in the lab are uh, protein work where we can uh, basically uh, engineer and purify antibodies to better understand that dynamic process of antibody selection in viral infection. Uh, we also have uh, the ability to connect structural studies in collaboration with Dr. Susan Hafenstein at Penn State University to understand how viruses work and the structure of the virus and make connections between that structural analysis and the molecular aspects of viral infections. So my work seeks specifically to look at the um, evolution of parvovirus in nature uh, specifically looking on how the host humor response antibodies neutralize infections and make those viruses to change over time and spread and sustain transmission. Uh, another viruses that I've been also involved is looking at the natural variants that emerged in the virus since 1978. That's when the virus first uh, emerged in dogs and went to pandemic and we're trying to understand how those viruses have been evolving over time. So one of the new techniques that we adopted here in the lab is next generation sequencing, where now we can sequence the full parvovirus genome and we can now understand how those mutations are spread throughout the genome. Um, some of the cool things that we're also uh, analyzing is not only those effects, uh, protein mutation, uh, mutations that affect the way that these proteins are encoded, um, but we're also taking into consideration uh, synonymous mutations that probably doesn't have any, an effect uh, in the final protein product, but those plays also an important role in the way that these viruses spread around. So in that regard, we're analyzing those mutations that emerge in the virus since 1978 and how those um, are selected in nature, how those affect the thickness of these uh, viruses uh, in relationship to their um, interaction with cellular receptor, uh, in this case, the transferring receptor, which is the main receptor for gain and parvovirus, but also understanding uh, why these mutations arose in the natural host. So now we're trying to connect all these aspects and see what are the key molecular players uh, that force these viruses to change over time. And this is, although we're doing this work on canine parvovirus, this is something that is actually very relevant to other virus systems, including SARS-CoV-2, because as we know, uh, the first initial uh, uh, SARS-CoV-2 virus, the alpha, beta, gamma viruses are way different from the recent variants, the Delta and Omicron. And potentially some of the mechanisms that make these viruses to evolve are connected to either antibody selection, interaction with receptors and adaptation uh, to 
uh, the population where these viruses are actually uh, spreading around. Right, right. Um, and when you say fitness of a virus, can you define that a little bit for us? What do you mean by viral fitness? So by viral fitness, what I mean is that viruses acquire mutations and those mutations made the viruses to either spread more around the population or they acquire the ability to infect a new host. So those are two important components for a virus to sustain transmission and keep uh, basically spreading in the population. So when a virus basically increases fitness, it has the ability to either spread more or be more efficient at replicating inside the cells. And has that for canine parvovirus, has that actually changed over time? So like we obviously are seeing that with SARS-CoV-2 where, you know, th- the virus is getting more and more fit. It's more easily able to transmit itself, things like that. Did that, has that also happened for a canine, canine parvovirus? Yeah. So the, the, the current strains that are circulating in parvovirus and they're still circulating even we have a vaccine for the dogs is way different to the initial CPV2 virus, and that's the initial virus that we believe it came from a feline-like pamlucopenia virus. So when the virus first emerged, it acquires mutations that increase the thickness of the virus for interacting with the canine receptor, which is way different to other TFRs or transferring receptors in other hosts because that canine receptor is glycosylated. Mm-hmm. So that's, those mutations make the viruses to cross that bre- uh, barrier and it start infecting dogs. So we see here how viruses adapted and were able to infect a completely different host. And the current uh, strains that are circulating that are designated uh, CBV2 and CBV2A acquire mutations that make those viruses able to not only infect dogs, but they also have the ability to go back and infect felines, including other animals such as raccoons um, and tigers and other felines uh, in nature. So now we see that those mutations, yeah, they change the thickness of the virus in terms of now they're able to interact with more transferring receptors from different species and they still circulating in nature. And is the virus also shifting antigenically sort of like we see with SARS-CoV-2 um, or like be, it, because there is a vaccine, is it actually starting to evade that immunity or not so much? So that's specifically the work that I'm uh, trying to understand with my thesis. Hmm. Uh, and it's specifically looking on how these escape mutations arise on the virus. And by escape mutation, I mean mutations that arise in the epitopes of the virus that makes the viruses less attractive for these neutralizing antibodies. So they escape from that neutralization and they establish infection. And for parvovirus and other viruses, it's very interesting because there is a great overlapping of antigenic sites and receptor binding sites. So there is a way that the viruses have to mutate to evade antibody neutralization while they retain the capacity and the ability to cognate 
the cellular receptor in order to establish infection. Yeah, yeah, it's sort of a, you know, they want to change, but not too much, basically. Not yeah. too much. Yeah, yeah, cool. And some of the, the, the things that I have found uh, in my in vitro system is that, yes, viruses acquire mutations in those epitopes, but they don't change the residues that are important for the interaction with that uh, transferring receptor. And even I'm doing this work in an in vitro system because we were able to sequence viruses all the way back to the 1978. Some of those mutations that are selected in vitro open um, selection with antibodies are also present in nature. So now we have the connection of those mutations in our in vitro system with the na uh, natural system, and that might potentially explain their uh, uh, emergence of these mutations in nature due to the interaction with the host humoral response. Mm -hmm. Cool, great. And are you uh, planning on presenting this work at ASV this summer or? Yeah, so actually this summer is going to be exciting because I'm going to two different conferences. Oh, great. The first one is going to be Parvovirus Workshop in Italy. Um, and then uh, during July, I'm going to be attending the ASB 222, where I'm going to be presenting uh, my work. Oh, great. Well, we look forward to that. That should be, that should be good. Um, so I guess just to follow up, so you're getting towards the end of your PhD. What are your plans for the future? So some things that I really enjoy, I enjoy is teaching. Mm -hmm. um, so I feel that I want to uh, teach and probably start working in the industry where I can apply all the uh, skills that I learned here in the lab, uh, including uh, protein purification, uh, engineering antibodies and uh, using in vitro systems and the structural analysis to understand the molecular processes that uh, govern the interaction of the virus with the host in order to sustain transmission and uh, evolve over time. Okay. And so have you started looking for like uh, your next position or is it still too early? So uh, one of my goals during this conference is in including ASV is to start reaching out to people and make connections. So besides presenting my work, I want to meet people and I start thinking about uh, where I'm going next. Um, and then I guess just uh, the last thing is sort of, I like to ask people sort of like how the last two years and sort of this COVID pandemic, how has that affected you personally? It's a, it's a strange time in a way to be a virologist, uh, maybe a good time, maybe a bad time, but how has it affected you personally? So I feel that being doing, uh, like me doing a PhD in the middle of the pandemic have been very fortunate hmm. uh, in terms of that I can see in real life viruses emerging and spreading the population. So some of the things that we usually and oftentimes see in the books, uh, it's kind of cool to see it in real life and it will probably help me to better understand and apply the concepts that I've been learning um, during my PhD here at Cornell. Um, other things that um, I have done during the pandemic, so I did 
my qualifying exam and also I was able to uh, catch up with the literature and it's been really great because now that I've been using parvovirus as a model system to understand viral emergence and evolution, I can probably understand and apply things to other viruses such as COVID-19. Uh, so in that regard, it's been uh, really, really uh, amazing. Right, right. All right. Well, thanks so much for talking with us today. And we look forward to seeing you at ASV. Thank you so much for the invitation and it was really fun talking to you guys and I hope to meet people that listen to this podcast in person at ASB 2022. This has been Let's Meet the Virologist, a podcast about people who study viruses. This is your host, Larissa Thackray, and thanks for listening. You can find us on Google, Apple, Amazon Music, and other podcast providers or at lmtv.podbean.com. Thank you.